You've probably heard the phrase, perception is reality, a few times. As correct as that statement sounds, though, it's just not accurate. Perception might be reality, but it might not be. Perception might just be the way you view things. Again, perception might be reality, but it might not be reality at all. Now, let me show you. Uh, let's say I write a big six on the ground, the number six. I write it in large six-foot-tall letters, using it to denote the number of biological kids I have who have a birthday before Salter, my youngest, who just celebrated his sixth birthday, has another, his seventh. And I use it to denote the number of biological kids I have who are older than him. In, in other words, my six is laced with numerous objective, not subjective, objective facts. Now for the sake of illustration purposes, you see me from afar and you walk my way. Why did you draw a nine on the ground, you ask? I didn't. I painted a large six. Then I explained to you everything that I just explained to you here on the podcast about the age of the kid, the number of biological kids. I explained it all. You don't understand. Looking at the number from your unique vantage point, you actually have the audacity to correct me. Now, now I know it's just this is just an analogy, right? If Salter is six, then why did you write a nine, you ask? I tell you that you have it wrong. I didn't. I made a six. I step over and I trace it with my steps. See, clearly, this is a six. Uh, no, you just walked out a nine, you reply. And we go back and forth, back and forth, round and round and round, over and over. And I'll put a picture of this in the show notes where you can see it and see why from my perspective it looks like a six and why from yours it looks like a nine. My question is this. Who's right? From one person's perspective, from mine, the number on the ground is clearly a six. From the others, from yours, it's a nine, obviously. Now, a politically correct cartoon from which I ripped this example, it actually said something like this. See, what you see depends on where you stand. Now, the cartoon inferred that both people saw reality accurately, but both people can't. Well, there are a lot of things in life which shades of gray happen to be the norm, meaning think back to that psych eval and who gets diagnosed as opposed to who doesn't and that scale that's there. Most things in life are actually concrete. Look at this example. I drew a six. Salter is six. It doesn't matter where you stand on that issue. Those facts don't change. Your interpretation of the facts might change, but the facts are objective, they don't. In other words, your perspective, your perception might not be reality. Now, for the past 18 months, I've worked with veterans, particularly in the arena of mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Now, all the three areas, they're unique, yet simultaneously, they connect in ways that we'll talk about maybe in the next few episodes. Those valiant men and women, they regularly communicate how things they experience now are often colored by things they experienced then, back when they served. I don't like the 4th of July, one man confessed. At night, when everyone begins shooting fireworks, it seems excessive. One or two might be okay, but the ongoing barrage, it sounds exactly like the mortar fire that came at us in Afghanistan. I'm obviously proud of our nation in the 4th, but I can't do those sounds. So, I go inside... I close the curtains, I close the doors, I usually turn on some music or watch a loud movie. 
Another vet offered this. I still lurch when I hear a backfire of a car or hear any other abrupt sound. My body automatically jolts and I look to take cover. A third warrior told me it wasn't just sounds that affected him. One day as we sat at my kitchen table looking at some essential oils, I handled him a bottle of frankincense. He immediately scooted his chair back. His face froze and he gently cried. You all right? I asked. I just need a moment, he said. I nodded, remaining quiet. A few minutes later, he came back to the moment. I'm fine, he whispered. That smell was everywhere in the Middle East when I was deployed. I saw a lot of hard things there, and the smelling that just transported me back to where I was when all of that was happening. Now, here's my point. In each of these instances, the mind and the emotions, that is, the soul, pulled someone out of this moment and thrust them into another one. They began interpreting or perceiving the present in light of the past. Fireworks aren't mortar fire. Cars with troubled engines aren't guns. My kitchen table and essential oils isn't a camel driver's tent in the middle of war-torn Iraq. You see, in the same way that your perception assured you I sketched a nine on the ground instead of a six, their perceptions assured them of something that wasn't true. In other words, perception wasn't reality. I learned from the veterans that PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is a lens that causes people to see the world in certain ways, often misperceiving the way things really are. When the mind and emotions create false impressions that jerk us into an alternate reality, one we perceive to be true rather than one that actually is true, it might be an indication that we're dealing with past trauma. Turns out, this is true for many of us. A lot of the things we see or think we see might be related to past hurts, past internal wounds that we carry around, and left unchecked, those wounds can become the filter whereby we view the entire world and even the relationships that we're trying to enjoy and experience. Now, all of that can be clouded by the past. Now, my goal isn't to diagnose you any more than it was to receive a diagnosis for myself, like I talked about two episodes ago. Um, In fact, I'm not a licensed therapist or a clinician or counselor or any other thing. So ethically, I can't diagnose you. But here's what I can do. I can throw some concepts out there, highlight a few things, and then encourage you to do some self-exploration. That's what this whole thing right here is really all about. Now, that said, I want you to notice the American Psychiatric Association's definition of post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay, remember this, like the licensed professional that wouldn't diagnose me but tested me told me, you don't have to be diagnosed in order to be affected by something. Okay, so pay attention. PTSD is, I'm just reading this, it is a psychiatric disorder that can occur in people who have experienced or witnessed a traumatic event such as a natural disaster, a serious accident, a terrorist act, war combat, rape, or any other violent personal assault. I just put a graphic of this here in the show notes where you can look. Now, I want to highlight a couple of things from that definition. Again, this is from the American Psychiatric Association. First, you may or may not have experienced the situation firsthand in order to be affected. That is, something might have happened to you or it could have been something you saw. For instance, get this, getting shot might cause post-traumatic stress and watching someone else get shot might have the same effect. Or, being physically or verbally abused might cause PTSD, but living in a house where someone else was abused 
might have the same effect. Now, when I was sketching out my notes here, I highlighted the word might in the examples because, as you'll see, we, we all respond to the same potential stressors in different ways. We'll have to get to that uh, in a few more talks. So it might affect you, and it might not. Um, second observation, there are a variety of scenarios that might cause distress. Okay, so emotional trauma can come according to the American Psychiatric Association's definition. It can come, these are just the things they listed, from a storm, a car, or any other kind of accident, war, combat, or any kind of rape or physical abuse. Now, we're not saying all those are equal. We're just saying it can come from any of those. And furthermore, their definition also has this open-ended phrase, that phrase, such as, showing that those are only examples of things that, again, might cause PTSD. Any stressor has potential. And, and again, re remember this, and, and I know I keep repeating this, but you don't have to have a diagnosable disorder in order to be affected by something. Even though you might not have a formal diagnosis, you could still experience or see any of those events or others such as them and have your own form of what I'll just call invisible scars. Okay, so the first night that I taught this concept to a group of veterans, something dawned on me. You're not abnormal. I said, you're normal. Then I added, you're responding to events completely in line with your training. You've been trained that when a loud sound occurs that it's either mortar fire or machine guns. The present action of wincing when you hear fireworks and the pop of an engine is consistent with your past experience. One gentleman shook his head in affirmation. He saw it, and then another. And yet another, and then the entire group. It's not crazy to take cover when mortar rockets start flying, or when bullets whiz by, or when someone has flipped their lid and is about to move into full-blown rage, coming against you physically, or when you just fill in the blank of whatever it was that you experienced. You get the idea. Those are normal responses to events that, by their very nature, create traumatic wounds and demand a defensive posture. Now, I knew it was connecting with the group, so I continued. The problem is that you're responding to a different normal than the current normal. You're perceiving something based on your experience that's no longer true. In other words, your perception is no longer reality. Now, after this, one of the attenders made the connection for us all. Said this, that's exactly what it means to be triggered, isn't it? I thought. I thought about what getting triggered is what it means. And the guy that said that suddenly made a concept that's well-worn and tossed around so often that it's virtually lost any semblance of meaning. He made it radically understandable. He helped us comprehend what it means to find yourself triggered. Yes, that's a great point, I said. To get triggered means you find yourself firing off in a direction based on some perceived threat from which you need to protect yourself. Yeah, one of the women added. And we don't even think of it as being triggered unless it's a false alarm. If it's a real threat, it's a threat you responded to in a healthy way. I think you're all onto something. Then after a few moments of processing what they were saying, you're really helping me understand some things I've experienced but haven't had language for before. Thank you. Now think about it. And look back at maybe just the show notes. I'm going to put a quote box there where you can just kind of see it to where it really stands out. And it just says this. We might mentally or emotionally react to a different event than the one that we're experiencing. 
I'll say it again. We might mentally or emotionally react to a different event than the one that we're experiencing. That's what it means to be triggered. The emotional or mental unhealth comes in the fact that we're responding in the wrong time, in the wrong place, making it the wrong thing for that moment. In other words, we're triggered by something in the present that powerfully connects us to the past, not to the present. Or to say it another way, we're responding to something besides the now. Or there's a disconnect between our perception and our current reality. And one of the warriors concluded this. He said, so in the same way we trained our brains before coaching ourselves to look for mortars and bullets and to actually face them while other people take cover, we've got to train them again to actually hear fireworks and engines. In other words, we've got to learn to perceive reality correctly. I told him, I think so. And I think you can. So how does that relate to me? How does that relate to you? Here's the reality is every single day, you and I make judgment calls in the moment emotionally. And our thoughts, our feelings, the soul, not the spirit, hijacks us and makes us interpret what she said or what he meant or what they were going to do based in the now on something that happened long ago that may or may not happen. And the emotional unhealth comes in the form of responding in the wrong way, wrong time, at the wrong place. So what do you and I do? We learn to go into the dark, go into those deep places, let the light penetrate and let the light do the healing and the wholeness and its work. And where is the light? The light is truth. And the light and the truth is a person, Jesus. He, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. John even says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. We'll push the conversation a little bit farther in the next talk. For now, let's sign off the way that we sign off every single week. My prayer for you is that the Lord blesses you. The Lord keeps you. The Lord is gracious and causes his face of favor to shine upon you. And may you have the stamina in the moment and the sharpness in the moment when your thoughts and your feelings are going to take you into a different way. May, may you not uh, deny those feelings. May you, in fact, learn your feelings uh, can actually serve you. And may, as you grow in awareness of what those feelings do and those thoughts do, may they come more and more to serve the wholeness and the person that you are. But may you learn to separate what happened then from what happened now so that you can discern the two. So that as Hebrews 4.12 says, may the word of God be living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing soul, that is your thoughts and feelings, from spirit, grace, peace. We'll talk again next week. Shalom.